Happy Monday. Welcome to Scale Up Heroes. We bring the best minds with the best real life experiences when it comes to scaling up businesses. These are the people that are the heroes because they took on the difficult odds and they are living to tell the tale. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell. We're glad that you're here. And to all of our viewers, we would like to invite you to visit our website, scaleupacademy.io. Today, we're discussing scaling up talent. And now I'm going to bring in our moderator today, uh, Mike Diaz. Mike is co-founder of Scale Up Academy. So, Mike, I'll let you take over. Thank you so much, Randy, for hosting this episode about scaling talent. And thank you to all panelists, Alexander, Amy, and Hiltzah for joining us today and sharing your experiences. As I like to say, uh, you are really heroes. Uh, we were discussing uh, offline that only 4% of the companies surpass 1 million US dollars in revenue, uh, 0 0.4, uh, 10 million US dollars, uh, 0 0.04, 50 million, and then under 0 0.01, uh, 100 million. So congratulations for that, and thank you so much for, for coming. Let's start by introductions and to get to know more uh, about you. So let's be a gentleman and start with, uh, with Amy O'Mahony. Um, HR and talent manager at Jovio. Hi, thank you for having me today. So I joined Jobio just, just under six months ago, so it's, uh, it was time to hire in HR and recruitment to really scale up what we need here at Jobio. So I um, have hired about 20 people in the last few months and hope to do more and retain the great ones that we have. Awesome. Thanks for having me today. Thank you very much, Amy. And Alexander uh, Kutra, um, the head of recruitment at Ombel. Welcome, Alexander. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure here to share a little bit more of the insights here at Ombel. Um, I joined roughly a year and a half ago where I focused on um, yeah, the whole recruitment, which is necessary, communicating with all the hiring managers and making sure that we hit the headcount targets that are necessary in a fast-paced um, scale-up environment. Perfect. Thank you, Alexander. And uh, finally, Hutsav Agarwal, um, the head of expansion EMEA uh, plus APAC at Glovo. Thanks, Mike. Um, so I joined Glovo only about three months back. Um, as, uh, as you mentioned, I look at expansion for EMEA and APAC. And one of, my, one of the core requirements to launch in these markets is to hire good talent, as uh, each country has its own language, own culture, which... Um, we, had, we recognize that we don't understand and we lean on a talent to kind of help us to scale those markets. <laughs> Got it. Perfect. And you have a very interesting experience. You have represented uh, Uber before and you have scaled uh, the company in, in countries like India, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Nepal. So you have very good stories, I, I assume. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, I, I joined Uber at a very, very early stage in 2014, uh, which was, I would say, some of the most rewarding days of my professional life. Um, I think it's got a wrong tone to it over the last year, year and a half for reasons that we are all aware of. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a beautiful journey uh, with Uber and even at Glovo over the last three months. But we, of course, we, we know what, what is happening with Uber, but we should never forget the, the incredible milestones that were achieved. And there is always the good part of the story that usually uh, sometimes the 
public perception only focus on on the bad aspects of, of, of the company in a certain way. And, and by the way, it's part of being leaders and innovators. It's to be hated and loved uh, at a certain uh, time. So perfect. So I would like to discuss mainly um, three topics. So how to attract, uh, retain and train the best people. And so let, let's start by uh, attracting. So how do you assure that you have the best people uh, joining you, uh, people that fit your culture to you? So maybe, Amy, would you like to jump in and, and start by sharing your experience and what you try to do at Showview to assure that you have the, the right people in the right positions? Yeah, fortunately for me, we the company that I work for uh, is software for um, recruitment. We have an applicant tracking system. Um, it's all about marketing the jobs in the right places. So the software we have, when you post a job with Jobio, it markets. We have a jobs marketing team that puts it right in front of the right audience. So depending on what type of role it is, um, it could be on Indeed, LinkedIn, all the major aggregators. Um, so that means a wide audience, and that's very important to begin with, so that your job spec is is in front of as many people as possible uh, to get as many applications as possible. Um, you need to attract by having an excellent employer brand. You depend on the people that work in the company to say how great it is to work here, um, but also branding using videos, using good content on your website, um, showing the culture out to the wider audience really means that the people will apply who already feel that they'll be a good fit. And that makes my job easier. Got it. Um, and. Alexander, would you like to add something about what you do at Hombel? Um, yes, since I came here, the company was a year old, so the budget for recruitment was limited, so to say. Um, so the only thing that really worked well at Hombel was direct messaging and referrals. I have two of my best friends working here, um, and we always ask people if they can come up with referrals. Um, and in general, where most of the people come from is just direct messaging. Find them on LinkedIn, find them on Xing, find them on Facebook, and start hey, I see you want to move to Berlin, you're looking for work, uh, maybe I can help you out and just get them in as fast as possible. Got it. And uh, Hutzav, how, how do you assure uh, that you have the best ones with you? <laughs> so I don't think there's a silver bullet to hiring good talent. You have to kind of use all possible ways out there and something that Amy referred to, basically putting out the job listings using sites like Jobio. Uh, good content is really important. I got attracted to Uber because of their join Uber Asia video. You can still Google and watch it. It gives me goosebumps even uh, when I watch it today. They did a phenomenal one for LATAM as well. And I fundamentally believe that good talent is not looking for a change. So you have to go to where the good talent is and kind of poach them. And it's, 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 they, you're not interviewing them. They are interviewing you why should they make that change? Why should they switch over from where they're comfortable to your company, which is riskier uh, at an earlier stage? Um, and what do you offer to them? So it's a blend of like being proactive on LinkedIn, finding out good universities, good startups and new markets where you want to expand to, using uh, recruiters and recruiting websites like Jobio and great content. Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting. We we had in one of the sessions the um, VP of engineering of Reddit uh, saying that 
the pitch to new employees needs to be crystal clear. Even what are the, the financial incentives, uh, if you have stock options, how it works, uh, how it will win, in, in what conditions. So it's, it's really nowadays, as you say, it's not only waiting for people to want to join us, but uh, really to explain what, what's in for them uh, for joining us. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you really have to sell now. It's a war for talent, especially in, you know, in especially cities like Dublin, London, New York, where, where I'd be recruiting. There's plenty of options. So I think creating a good employer branding video, um, we have an excellent one here that I, I share with all candidates that has the two founders talking about the company and it's so heartfelt and it's so passionate that we want people that are very ambitious and can handle the startup environment and I suppose want to contribute at a bigger level that we, we may not have all the incentives that a big corporate environment can offer maybe financially or with benefits but it's kind of jumping in and taking that risk and loving your job is what we're looking for. Got it. But something I learned, so just to follow that point, right? Some, uh, something yeah. I learned at Uber, Amy, just to further uh, Amy's point is, yeah. um, people who are looking for corporate benefits are not the best fit for startups. Yeah. People who come to startups realize it's for the passion and it's to actually have that impact. Um, you really can't quote someone from Google and give them the same benefits mm -hmm. that they have at Mountain View to come and work for you for half the salary. <laughs> like yeah. it, he or she has to be passionate and believe fundamentally in what you're doing and then the money and stock option is almost secondary yeah it's about having impact and they're the people that fit a job and I'm sure the other panelists would agree at, at the kind of startup scale up it's about I suppose having impact and having autonomy to roll with your job and do a great job and the people that I interview if they don't want that and, and want to kind of own their own future they're not really right for us. So it's, it's, we, we attract who we want to retain. It's, it's great. It works very well. Yeah. No, it's true. Like the best people, the ones that fit the culture, the best, at least in a startup, are the ones that really want to achieve something regardless of, of what it is um, that have a passion to develop themselves and the product that they work in. Um, so within the marketing team, we rather hire someone with less experience, with less uh, credentials and with less everything, but it is really dedicated to develop himself, the product, and, and by that also get further than someone with the high credentials might get. Mm -hmm. And, and how, how clear are your values at this stage of, of your company? And how much do you incorporate the, the culture and the values in the recruitment process? Um, quite a lot, actually. I mean, they're not clear. Um, it's a, it's a two and a half years old, so things change daily. Um, but there is a few things that you can state that I guess for a lot of startups are the same, but especially for Homebell, you have to take on ownership, you have to be willing to develop yourself and you have to be able to organize yourself because it is a very hectical and chaotic environment where things can change, goals can change um, and you have to stay agile and you have to be willing to take the punches and go for it. Um, so to me, it's very important to figure out what the person wants. Why do you want to join us? What is your uh, idea? If, it, if it's someone that never worked in a startup before, I really want to be sure that it's clear that they understand that it isn't easy, that it is a struggle, and that every day you have to make it together with your team. And that's the beauty of it. That's why, that's why you join a startup for this team feeling and the building of something new and the creation. Um, and in the first 
stories I have, like my pitch is, is five minutes long. It's definitely not long, but then I just keep on asking them, what is your goal? Where would you like to go? Why a startup? What do you think is going to be happening in Homebell? Um, just to have it very clear if their expectations fit with what we can offer. Got it. Um, thank you. And Amy, do, do you consider uh, how do you match the, the cultural fit? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, values are very important. And I'm working on a project to define exactly what ours are to have the three to five, you know, maybe not on the wall, but that we can incorporate into not only recruitment, but also performance management and that people that are shining their values throughout their career. But definitely being adaptable is very, very important. Um, that passion. Um, I think we, we do value fun as well. We want to work very hard, but play hard as well. Um, but we haven't defined clearly what they are. So I'm kind of working on a project where we're going to have a vote out to the wider employee audience, kind of put 12 to 15 values and then make the employees decide what they think are the values. But it's, you know, speed, adaptability, you know, adaptability. There's passion is just so important to everyone, like from, from the top down to the next person in the door. We all have to be passionate about the product and believe that it's going to succeed. Um, and that, that's what makes a great team. I think that... Um, yeah, that, that kind of team environment, that kind of closeness is very important. But as you scale up, it's important not to lose that, um, which is another challenge. Got it. What is the, just to give some context for the ones who are listening, um, what is the size of, of your team at this stage of Jobio team? In Jobio, 64 at the moment. 64. Yeah, and, most of us are here in Dublin. Got it. And, and yours, Alexander? Uh, 101. Um, we have 15 front-end and back-end developers working from Noida, so 86 here in the Berlin office. Got it. And, and Glovo, it's a uh, big ship. Uh, I don't have the count, but I think it's about 200 people in Barcelona and other 200 spread over LATAM, Italy, France, and Portugal. Got it. Perfect. And um, yeah, and, and I, I assume that uh, um, maybe starting with you, Utsav, uh, you have already also because it's part of your role of uh, expanding. So finding new talent in new markets where sometimes the brand is not very well known as in your domestic markets. So um, how do you do in order to um, brand it, not only for the customers, but getting the best talent? My step number one before I even decide to launch a market um, is go in there to green light it. And while I'm green lighting it, I'm networking with startups in that city, in that country. And I think every single city in the world has a vibrant startup ecosystem. It could be small or big. And once you actually get into that startup ecosystem, I think there is a strong sense of um, just helping each other out. And you start getting a sense uh, of who's 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 a right fit who has um who's aware of the on-demand economy um an uber uh, a global a delivery we all fall under that and you kind of go from there you I, I like to tap into these local networks that i built from my green light trip to hire and these startup folks usually have a big network uh, themselves. And if I can get them to share it on their LinkedIn, their Facebook, uh, which really gets the pipeline, uh, the funnel uh, flowing, because I don't have a network in those cities or countries that we go to. So that's the approach that I take to start off the hiring bit. 
and it just i've seen that it, it, it kind of it, it's pretty much fluid from there mm-hmm. very very interesting that's why we see a lot of scale ups also um participating in events as speakers and so on to spread the words about the company for customers and, and especially for talent uh, right Nowadays, I see that employer branding, it's really a very important uh, subject for the majority of the companies. Perfect. And would you like to add something, Alexander, about um, how you are recruiting people outside of Berlin? Mm -hmm. Berlin, it's very um, sexy in terms of uh, startup ecosystem. Uh, Maybe it's not so difficult to attract people to to Berlin. But what's, what's the next steps? Um, it is quite difficult to, because, um, so I'm responsible for the Dutch market where I have to look for Dutch uh, sales agents, basically, which is one of the hardest profiles to look in Berlin because every startup that starts here that is VZ funded wants to work in the Netherlands. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of startups out there looking for Dutch people. Um, my first year I tried everything, like every job board I could find in the Netherlands, free, posted, Craigslist, uh, Marketplace, like whatever I could get my hands on. There was a time I was desperate. I was either doing inbound cold calls with, uh, cold calls with um, call centers where I knew Dutch people would be working um, just to see if I can get some names to, to contact. Um, at a certain point, and this was quite well, our country manager opened a Facebook group. Uh, jobs for Berlin, um, du- jobs for Dutchies in Berlin, and um, this is one of the easiest and fastest way to look for these people. Other talent, you just find them on LinkedIn. Um, I always start my search in Berlin first because it's a little bit easier than going through the whole visa application process. Um, mm-hmm. But for certain positions, you just want the best talent that's out there, so that you don't have any restrictions. Like you, you just find them and you get them here. Um, and then I use LinkedIn Recruiter, basically, try to, to write to people as much as possible, uh, make a tailored message that really speaks to them to figure out what makes this person tick, um, why would he be a good fit, and why do we want to work with him? Because it is, as I said, it's, it's a war for talent, and you have to show that you can't give them the perks, but they can develop themselves so much more than they would be able to do in a company where they would just do bug reporting or those kinds of things or just writing up big financial reports so here they actually got the chance to to build something um that's that's the only way i figured out how to to get um like talent from other places here mm-hmm. and on on your priorities amy the are you trying to recruit locally in in dublin attracting people to come to dublin or even thinking about op- opening a new office in another yeah location. it's 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 both i mean our offices are our hq is mm-hmm. here in dublin but also in um london and new york but we the development team is here in dublin but we hired into london because it's so flexible everything is online we use slack we're on google hangouts all day long so um location i suppose doesn't really matter um of course if you know if there's visa requirements, that's not a difficult thing to do in, in we'll say, tech positions. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite open with trying to hire into the New York office. Luckily, again, with Jobio, it's going to, like, posting the job there is going to post onto the other aggregators um, in New York. So the job is, is posted in various locations. Our office is in the WeWork um, co-working space, which is always a great way to get your brand out there. You're working with so many other startups just by walking with them, having the same common areas with them. Same in, in London, um, we're in a WeWork space. 
partner with them. So we have a presence at all their creator awards. Um, and I yeah, have to agree with you, Stav, that you have to be at events, you have to network and then it's trawling through LinkedIn for hours. And uh, once you get a person on a phone in a new market, it's really about pitching the company because especially in New York, for, for any of the talent that I'm speaking to, it's about my pitch and it's about what we do and getting someone really excited about the product for them to want to come on board and sell it. So it's me selling Jabio. Got it. Perfect. So let's assume that now we have already attracted the best people for for the company. So how do you assure that we onboard them correctly and to make them be part of that value as soon as possible? Uh, Hutsav, do you have any uh, best practices and ideas about what worked well uh, with you onboarding people? So basically what I like to do is for senior talent, for general managers, for head of sales, I like to bring them to Barcelona, uh, which is a headquarters for a week to two weeks to meet uh, different teams um, and just get an um, holistic view of the business, of different functions, of what it takes to make the business tick. And for slightly junior roles, just throw, uh, throw them into the thick of things. Uh, that's something, again, I learned at Uber. It's like day zero, you're thrown into something which you're unaware of and figure it out. And uh, if you're hiring good talent, um, you'll be surprised at what they're able to do knowing nothing. Um, and, and, the, and the idea is the question I ask end of week one to all my new employees is, are you feeling overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. And I said, it's natural to be, feel, to be feeling that way. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Utsav. Um, Alexander, what, what's your experience about the onboarding process? Um, we have quite a short onboarding process. Uh, we improved on quite a lot since I came like a year and a half ago. Because when I came, it was, here's your laptop, hire people. Um, without any knowing what position or having much experience in recruitment. Um, so things have changed quite a lot. Um, but still, we like to put people to the test fast. I mean, we hire dedicated professionals that really want to push things forward. Um, so in my own team, on the second day, I put them on the line with candidates immediately. And I tell them, just tell them you're new, you've no clue what to do, talk with them and figure out if you would like to work with them. Um, and I'm always sitting next to them. And after every talk, I give them some feedback on how to improve, what they can do better. Um, and within a couple of days, they feel quite relaxed doing interviews and they're doing quite a good job. Because um, if you hire the right people that are passionate, they will, as Ustav already said, they will pleasantly surprise you. I haven't been unsurprised, actually. Um, I've been always been surprised by what the people can do when they come in here, like how dedicated they are, how fast they pick up things and how they want to push things forward. Um, it's the same in the sales team. Yes, we do give them knowledge on the product. Yes, we do tell them how to speak with customers. Um, but we want to have them in the line. We want to have them to make those mistakes. We want them to learn from it and we want them to push forward. Um, and that's where the whole onboarding is about. Like just feeling at home within your team and start making errors, learn from them and go on to your next. Got it. So summarizing a good, um, onboarding process starts with a good recruitment process. And then it's about sometimes bringing the talent to the headquarter to get to know everyone in the company. Uh, in your case, Alexander, a little bit more spontaneous to go to the field and to coach them while they are already uh, on the field facing <laughs> the, the challenges. And on your case, Amy, uh, what do you try to, to yeah. do to welcome people? Most of it, well, meeting me, making sure that everybody meets everybody. We're still small enough that everyone gets to know each other here in the HQ. 
again, bring, bringing the London people over. Um, most of the teams sit here, so getting to know the business very well is important. There's formal training on the product and formal training on employer branding. I suppose they're the two things that we do. Um, so making sure that everybody, no matter what team you're in, knows what we do as a company and how we bring in money. Um, but after that, it, it is, it's on the job. It's, it's, I agree with what the others said, that it's, it's make, you know, making people learn from their mistakes and just um, have that flexibility and that openness. It's, it's, it's open plan, so it's difficult. Everyone can hear what you're doing or knows what you're doing. But it's, you know, making sure that there's a friendly culture, an open culture that, um, people aren't afraid to make mistakes and that's what we want we want that feedback culture as well that people will give share ideas and that we're all talking out loud and saying what's going well what's not going well because we adjust and we readjust and um, we adapt all the time to what we're doing and change direction the product changes we all need to adjust with it so um, it works it works well just have open feedback from everyone and anyone Got it. Just to add out here, just to just quickly add, I think one of the more yeah. important aspects of onboarding also is just the cultural part. Um, if we can imbibe the cultural values into the new employees, I think we have done a job. It's just not the tools and the product, that's also the cultural values. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how can we transmit these cultural values? It's just by being in the company, observing the behaviors or... Uh, I mean... It's, it, it's everything, it's as small as how you write your emails. It's uh, how people talk to each other, how they um, just, how, it's like, do you get a response to your email on a Saturday? That yeah. basically says something about a company which talks about ownership, right? Uh, everyone is kind of an owner versus at a very corporate workplace where you will never get a response on a weekend. Uh, so the small things, but which cultivate into something bigger. And once people see that everyone in the company, however small or big it is, is working with the same fire towards the same goal, I think it, it, it motivates them and fires them up as well. Uh, and if I'm able to do that in the first week or two, I think I'm setting that up, setting that, setting uh, that employee up for success. Got it. So yeah, I think that the, the leadership team has to embody the culture of the company and the values and um, new people coming in, new people coming onto your team. You're going to look at your line manager. You're going to look at how your line manager behaves and acts and speaks to people and communicates by email. And it's very important that the leadership team is aware of that, that yeah. even though everyone's owning their own job, you're still going to be looking up to somebody and that could be up to the CEO. And it's, it's very important that the, the culture and the values are kind of set from, from the top down. Mm-hmm. So that there's self-awareness all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, now we we attracted the the right people. We onboarded them. So uh, how do we keep them growing and how do we retain them? So um, so what what can you do to assure that the best people stay in the company and that keep growing and don't become bottlenecks? Uh, who would like to start? Maybe Alexander, that you were mm-hmm. a little bit more silent. <laughs> um, it's it's a bit tricky, so to say, because um, sometimes you just can't keep people. They grow too fast and the company can offer, and you can't find a different place where um, they can grow in. Um, for example, in the sales field, we hired a couple of masters that after a year were like, guys, I really like it here, but I would like to start trying something else or a different position. And if the position or the possibility isn't open at that time, what they really want to do to start looking for somewhere else. Um, 
but that's also the part of it. Like you have to know what they want. You have to know where they want to go to. And if the position is open, discuss it with them. Like, hey, listen, I know you're working in sales, but account management is going to come home open. Would you like to try and see if this is something you would like to move to? Um, in the back office, some more in marketing, product, finance, those fields. Um, make sure that people stay taking their ownership, um, that they have the projects that they want to work on and can work on. Um, and that's also their product, so their project. So don't um, manage them too much on the micro side, like just give them the freedom, give them the responsibilities to really work on it. Um, also cross department wise, um, so that you have design working together with HR, uh, HR with marketing uh, and with finance as well just so people stay in the loop with everyone um, continuously talking with each other. Um, in that sense, we do see in the back office that people stay, like they just stay, they love it. They get the freedom, they get, get the possibility to develop on the projects and their own ideas. Um, and that was the whole reason why they joined in the first place. Really good. Um, just adding to that, I suppose retention for me, I believe kind of also changes from individual to individual and what retains one talent may not retain another. Mm -hmm. um, some employees need very clear direction. Um, they need, you know, more management and they need to be told what they're doing well, what they're doing well, what to do from week to week. And then you need to adapt your management style to that individual. There's some people that are fantastic at owning their role and forging forward and taking the companies in directions you couldn't even think possible. And then they need to be left to their own devices and let their creativity shine. So good line managers, managing employees based on their needs as an employee is very important. And being, you know, adapting to individuals' requirements to retain them, I think, is very important to listen um, and have open communication. There's, yeah, one or two things. And I have two thoughts here. So one, I think um, every single employee, every single talent is kind of suited at a different stage of the company. I look at myself as uh, I'm a great fit for zero to five uh, stage of the company, not the best fit for five to 10. Um, that's why I kind of moved on from Uber because it became too big for my liking. And the way I think about it is if I do my job well at Clovo, I shouldn't be a cultural fit out here in two and a half years from now. Um, so that's one. I mean, you can't retain people all the time. There are people who kind of fit into different stages of the company and they will move on irrespective of uh, whatever you try to do. And second, I think this is a hard one, but as long as your company is growing and scaling fast and you've brought in good talent who want uh, challenging opportunities, they will stick on. The bigger problem with retention comes in when your startup uh, has probably hit a roadblock. And that's when people start looking outside and that's when you have people churning. Um, I, I honestly don't have an answer how to retain talent in that kind of a situation. No, it's quite difficult to keep talent in that kind of situation. Um, like, as you said, everyone wants to work for a growing company where sales is amazing and revenue is pouring in and everyone is happy. Um, of course, no one is leaving this place because you see the future. It's the same with the stock market. If everything goes up, everything buys it on like crazy. Um, but the best thing is, even in those situations, when people are churning, if you keep those 
diehards. I have no different words for it. Those ones that stay on, um, these should be rewarded after the churn, like after the hard, hard, after the struggles, after the problems. They should get their rewards. They will, should should feel more happy and confident in the position afterwards, because um, these are the people that are loyal to the company and that you want to keep for a longer time on there. Um, and that, as you said, I mean, starts with good management. Like if you don't have a right manager, you're going to leave anyway. Um, so if you manage to communicate well, keep the people um, even maybe not happy in difficult situations, but at least stick with you um, by give them a vision for how things might turn out after things pick up again, because they will. If people keep fighting, they will pick up again. Um, they'll, few of them might actually stay, um, at least what we figured out here. Um, it's not always easy, um, but yeah, you can talk with them and see how to continue their career even in a bad time. For Silicon Valley fans, uh, you need basically Guilfoyle and Dinesh. I don't know who all watched the show, but yeah, those are the two die, uh, like diehard followers mm. of Pied Piper. No. <laughs> I, I need to study it. <laughs> Awesome. So it's quite quite interesting, and um, it's it's also very relevant what Utsav was was saying about uh, enjoying to work in a certain size of a company, and and I believe that um, in your case, Amy and Alexander, you are facing maybe the the growth pains of grow, of going from a functional organization to a team of teams organization that usually happens at 50, 60, and there is a lot of crisis to restructure, reorganize the company to be able to grow um, again. And you need to find out um, different leaders. Uh, maybe in your case, Utsav, you are facing the same in the new areas where you are expanding uh, the company or you have faced it before. So how do you handle this? And by the way, because this is completely connected with retaining people. And by the way, with the, with the next topic, which is training people, developing people and with leadership development. So do you have any idea about the ratios between how many people report to, to a leader or to a manager? So uh, in your organization? I don't have any absolute stats. Uh, it, it changed the, the sales teams are bigger. Um, the marketing team is now bigger, but then in HR, there's two of us, there's three in finance. So it's um, it varies from team to team, but I think from my past experiences in HR, I think eight is probably mm -hmm. the, the most a leader can really manage effectively. Um, after that, um, I, I read something somewhere that you should be able to feed your team with a pizza, mm -hmm. <laughs> but maybe eight then might be pushing it. it should be a very large pizza, but um, things kind of get out of hand after eight potentially, but. Yeah, got it. I think it, it is with, uh, it was a quote from Steve, uh, Steve, no, this was about, yeah, the, yeah. right. <laughs> so, which is almost eight people. Uh, that, that's the same point. Perfect. Yeah. What's up? Would you like to, to move forward on this? Um, I actually don't have too many comments. I kind of agree with uh, Amy that I think eight is the most that a leader can handle. Uh, also because as a leader, you have to have your one-on-ones and feedback sessions with the people that are reporting into you. And if you kind of um, do more than eight, then you're not able to do justice to everyone who's reporting into you and then really help in nurturing their career. As a leader, you're responsible for that. Um, so eight, I would, I would say, is the max that you want to be at. 
Mm-hmm. And in your case, Alexander, how do you see in your teams? Um, we're, we're still in the process of figuring out what would be the best number, uh, so to say. It's, it's the same as an Amy. There's differences. Um, I manage a team of two at the moment, one working student, one recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it varies based on team to team. Um, so, yeah, the sales teams are a little bit bigger um, than, than the back office team, like HR. There's four people of us at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it, it varies quite a lot uh, from team to team. And we're still in the process to figure out, like, how much can a team leader do in managing their team and doing the one-on-one feedback sessions and still do some operational tasks because um, we are scaling, so everyone has to work uh, to reach the goals and targets that we have. So it, it is a bit of a... Um, a bit difficult to say what the exact and correct number would be in this sense. Got it. And I wanted also to talk about this topic because as the company scales and uh, for the first time, some individual contributors will need to move to a management uh, position and to a leadership position. And some of these people are doing it for the first time. And always the typical discussion that you can be a great individual contributor and a very bad uh, manager. Um, what, what's your experience about helping your team to transition from one position to another, if you have any uh, personal experiences? And I would even add that at a certain stage, you also need to start managing managers and as a VP, uh, managing heads. So, your strategic level and the way you coach, uh, it's, it's completely di- mentor, it's completely different from uh, one position to another. You become each more, ta- more strategic, more developing people and less about doing tasks. Um, so, so, uh, so uh, I can just go in first out here. A uh, couple of thoughts couple again. Um, I'm a huge fan of Naval Ravikant from AngelList and he says basically, I don't, I don't like hierarchies. I want to work with people at the same level as me, everyone. There's no one senior, there's no one junior to me. And that's the kind of approach that I take. Um, the second thing is something that resonates with me even now from Uber is one of the cultural values they had long back called stepping on toes. So everyone, at least as a startup, may this may not be true for a corporate, but as a startup, should be, um, should be humble enough and should be comfortable enough to be stepped on uh, as a leader, as uh, a junior, as whoever. And if we are honest to ourselves and we can take honest feedback from each other, I think at least in the startup environment, all of us will do well. Perfect. Uh, uh, Amy, what would you like to add? Um, yeah, I mean, there, it needs, the structure needs to be flat, but some, I suppose you have to bring some sort of performance management into it Sorry, to go back to the original question about someone moving into a leadership position, um, it shouldn't be the person that's best at their job or someone that's hitting their targets month on month on month in sales. Maybe just an excellent salesperson, maybe moving them into a managerial position will take away from the amount of revenue you can, you can bring in monthly. So I think I haven't had a personal experience here at Jabio yet of moving someone into a managerial position, but my thoughts would be that someone has to show that flair for leadership and, um, you know, be, be comfortable giving feedback to other team members. And also I say to all managers, you have to open the doors for feedback as a manager too. It's the only way you learn um, is by people around you saying you do this well as a manager, you don't do this well. Um, so I like that there's operational one-on-ones. That's about the job. But then I like a second one-on-one 
scheduled monthly that's like a check-in that's about the bigger things and about feedback both ways on 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 work um but more more on kind of performance as a leader and performance as an employee and how the relationship can work well together so it's definitely open communication is very very important but putting the right people into leadership positions is quite a tricky one in in the startup environment because you know the immediate reaction is just put the best person managing but managers are a different a different mm-hmm. uh skill set it, it, it you know there can be there's management training but i think you need to have that kind of those core competencies in you i think to to begin with got it thanks amy and alexander would you like to add something on this topic yes. um no it, it, as i as the other two already said i totally agree um, especially with amy as well um the best guy in his role is not always the best manager um it's just as simple as that it can even be worse promoting someone that's It's extremely good in his position, a specialist, and uh, what he's doing to a management position. Um, it can be bad for the team um, and bad for the person himself as well. And you see them burn out in a few months and looking for new work afterwards again. So you lose your best, highest performer. Um, in general, the people that indeed want to lead um, or at least have that flair um, and go for it, but you have to give them the trust as well to manage the team how they want to. Um, to give them the freedom to talk with their team, to get the feedback in together and to, to really build something that they want to do with their team um, that makes them successful as a team um, and not so much as um, what you as an outsider or as an HR professional or as a C-suit manager thinks is important that they do, but they should become the team that they want to become um, and then reaching the targets up from there. The managers that have been promoted into team lead positions and that have been given the freedom to work with their team and build something up, they always achieve better than other teams where, for example, a specialist got promoted or um, an external guy came in. Right. So wrapping up, uh, final uh, question. So just a reflection on your side. Uh, we approach it recruiting, onboarding, retaining, and, and training, leadership development. So thinking about your own career now in five seconds or 10 seconds, what are you the most proud of uh, and what would you like to, to do different in already in the upcoming weeks? Let's um, would you like to start or who, um, who feels ready? Please go ahead. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. That's a hard question. <laughs> I can take it. It's the last uh, one. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I've been at Global for three months. Um, and my, my job out here in the first three months has to be, has, has been to build a team out. Uh, just started this week. Uh, three guys in my team have started uh, who are coming from different parts of the world to basically take on expansion in uh, EMEA. What am I most proud of? Uh, at Global, it's been three months and I haven't launched a country, so I don't know about Global, but at Uber, I think just uh, giving economic opportunity to a lot of driver partners, especially in emerging markets. The thing I like to say is uh, we are blessed people. Uh, we have the flexibility to go home and eat lunch, like, uh, lunch with um, a partner or a son or daughter. A lot of like driver partners or glovers in Glovo don't have the flexibility and giving them, them, giving them that flexibility is, a, it's, it's, it's profound uh, personally to me. So that's been touching to me for, at three, for three and a half years at Uber, and I hope to create the same impact here at Clovo once 
we end up launching more countries in EMEA. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, Amy? Well, that was kind of humbling, but <laughs> for me, um, I think prior to my career that I've completely changed what I do, I've kind of come in and started a HR function, started, you know, getting the recruitment process really right for Jabio. I came from a very, very structured organization, financial services, where my job was nearly at the point where it was robotic. And I think changing my work style to this mad startup culture is something I'm personally proud of because for the first two months I had knots in my stomach because I was like, what am I doing or what is going on here? But I think that ability to adapt is such a learning experience for me that I know how to recruit the right hand that can also do that, that can get comfortable with uncertainty. Um, so I think that's a, a, a pride, I suppose, for the last six months getting used to that, getting used to this mad environment that is a startup career. And it's, it's, it's been wonderful. It's been great. Um, for the next, you know, few months, um, you know, just continue to bring brilliant talent into Jabio. And um, yeah, I think that seeing the people that I've gotten on board so far, so happy in their jobs is, is just such, you know, such great uh, confidence for me. Um, that you know, I've hired great people and just continue to do that because the success of the company depends on bringing in the right people. Congrats! We we feel the emotion. We should be, we should have started by here. So, <laughs> Alexander, um, just walking around the office, I guess I've been working here a year and a half, a little bit more. Um, I've hired around seventy people in the time. So I just know everyone. I've been talking with everyone. Um, just seeing a team succeed by that one crucial hire you find. Um, seeing them laugh together, achieve so much more, increasing the product. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's in the end why I didn't know I like recruitment as much as I did since I came here. Uh, but now to be able to walk around the office um, and see the people working together on this amazing product, that's, that's definitely something I will always keep with me. Yeah. Congrats and thank you uh, very much for this awesome conversation. So word back to Randy. Good conversation. Thanks to all of our panelists uh, and thank you here on Facebook Live for watching Scale Up Heroes and a special thanks to all of our panel today, especially you, Mike, for being a moderator today. Um, I, I was thinking as, as you guys were having this conversation, anybody in our audience, you, you, you clearly know who these folks are now. So if you're attracted to these companies, please reach out. They're, they're looking for good people. <laughs> I'll do some recruitment for all of you. Uh, visit our page. We hope you'll visit our page at scaleupacademy.io to learn more about us and what we do. You'll find these live shows every Monday here on Facebook. Hit that like button and share today's show. I'm your host, Randy Kentrell, and I hope that you'll join us next week when we plan to talk about scaling product. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Ciao. <laughs>